You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The Promised Messiah of Judaism, with Roy Shulman. Hi, this is Roy Shulman, and welcome once again to Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism on uh, Radio Maria, the show that celebrates the Jewish roots of the Catholic Church, or seen the other way around, that celebrates the completion, the fulfillment, the full realization of the promise of Judaism in the Catholic Church and its sacraments. Um, uh, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that one of my favorite things to do on the show is to uh, have on other enthusiastic Jewish entrants into the Catholic Church. And um, if you were listening a few weeks ago, you might have heard me uh, give a little bit of a uh, conversion story witness testimony of one of these who uh, whose name is uh, Jonathan and uh, whose story I had found in a collection of converts to the Catholic Church book called Atheist to Catholic uh, Stories of Conversion. The book was put together by Rebecca Cherico. And as is always the case with books of witness testimonies, it's very moving and edifying. And since I gave his um a little uh, reading from his witness testimony in the book a couple of weeks ago. I got in touch with him, and he very graciously agreed to come on to the program and give his witness testimony himself, which, of course, will be far, far, far more engrossing. And it also will give the opportunity for some interaction with him. So before I invite him on to begin his witness testimony, and uh, my intention is to let Jonathan give his uh, story for at least the first 20 minutes or so of the show. And as we normally do, we normally take a short musical break about halfway through. And at that point, I'll definitely open it up to callers if there are any, if if you want to engage me or Jonathan with questions or comments or so forth. But um, until then, let me just uh, hand it over to Jonathan to uh, tell his story about how a nice Jewish boy like him found himself in a place like this on Radio Maria. So with that, I, I can tell from the laughing in the background that you're there, Jonathan. Why don't I just give it over to you? Okay, thank you, Roy. I'm, um, I'm grateful that you asked me to be on the show. I'm a little nervous. Um, I guess um, it's always a little difficult to, as you said, be, give a witness or a testimony. For some reason, you know, it's it's not that easy. I don't know why, but, um, the, it's funny you said nice Jewish boy, cause, uh, yes, you know, one of the things you find when you convert is you, you, you've, you've left a very specific place. I don't know if that happened to you, Roy. You know, I grew up in a, uh, a secular, uh, a Jewish background, um, with, uh, um, you know, from Brooklyn and Queens, my family's from very, very into the arts and, and, um, uh, science, questioning things. Um, a kind family, not uh, political, but not mean spirited at all. Um, so there was a lot of warmth in my family. I was fortunate, uh, for that. Uh, but also a lot of provocation to questioning and, and, and looking at things. Um, and, and, and I guess I, I, um, I, I, I I don't know exactly how it happened. I, I could say maybe that there were two major events. I don't know what you read from my book, but but there were there were um, two, two major major events uh, that that um, began to make me 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 think about th- that there was a God actually. 
because I, I I didn't think there was you know I was never told there was a god. I I always thought I was I was kind of brought up in a Freudian you know from from Freud philosophy, maybe not not Marxist but that type of thing. Uh, Let and, me back uh, up a little bit because yeah. because um, you know most of our listeners don't have the uh, privilege of having been raised Jewish, so they might be a little bit confused. Um, what did uh, you grew up Jewish? You grew up in a Jewish family. Of course, I understand this perfectly from the inside. So okay, thank, not thank you for explaining to me. <laughs> but um, it's very normal for even very Jewish families to actually either not even address the question of whether God really exists, or to not really believe that God exists, but nonetheless to identify very strongly as Jewish. So maybe well, you could back a little bit. So that they had a sense of, because they might be sitting there saying, wait a minute, I thought this guy was Jewish, and now he's saying he didn't believe in God. How could that be? Oh, oh no, yes, that, you're right. You're, you're really, I think, I think that's, that's the point. We'll get, we'll get back to it after my conversion. But no, yeah, maybe you're right. There was no stress on God, but the Jewish people, a huge stress on that, you know, that, that we are somehow a very, very special people. And um, I, I knew that. Maybe they didn't use the word election, but I had a sense of that um, growing up. Um, the, the, the specialness of being Jewish, without a doubt, was was absolute in my family. You know. And what and, about and so, what about prayer? What about taking the idea of God as someone active in the world seriously? No, they didn't because because I think well, my grandmother did, um, but one grandmother. But the rest really believed that I think with the Holocaust that it was such a. If you ever read read, read the Chosen by Chaim Potach, that's a very good book for non-Jewish people to read to understand. I think uh, the Jewish context, modern context, but I think a lot of them lost hope. How could God have let that happen to us? You know, and the Holocaust was always brought up in my family as as a big kind of st stepping stone to the belief in God. You know, you mean stumbling and, block, and stumbling block, stumbling block. And at the same time, this kind of belief that man, we have to rely on ourselves now, you know, which is a big is a kind of a temptation. I'm sure that 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 I kind of understood. Now, now, what happened to me was that that made me question that viewpoint was was also I grew up in, a, in an area that was not just Jewish. We, there was Jewish people. There was Catholic people and Protestant people. And I got to know people who weren't Jewish. Um, I don't know about you, Roy. I, yeah, I was exposed to the Christian world. Um, I had friends. But also, there are people who called me Jew boy, you know, things, bad things, you know. And I would get upset at that, and I would ask my parents, well, what's if we Jews are supposed to be like everyone else or... You know, there's something that's why am I why am I feeling this? And from that, I, I wanted I decided I, I wanted to know about more about being Jewish. Uh, we, we did we did go to Passover every year. That was our that was our that was where I learned about Judaism because at the Seder you go through Moses and how he freed his people. So I knew that story, and I also knew how big a story it was. You know, um, so I wanted to know more about that. So I, I was. Do your um, listeners know about Reform Judaism, Conservative Judaism, and Orthodox? You know that there's these different groups. Um, perhaps, uh, perhaps not all of them. It depends on um, how regular they are as listeners. But in a nutshell, 
uh, Orthodox, well, from the outside looking in, one could think of Orthodox Jews as the Jews that one visibly identifies as Jews. They keep strictly kosher. They very often wear yarmulkes or skull caps. Um, they, uh, you know, they are, they observe the Sabbath strictly and so forth. Reformed Jews are much more secularized. They may or may not actually take the idea of God seriously, but they certainly have a Jewish a liturgical life of some sort around a Reformed synagogue. And conservative Jews are, are in between the two. Right. right. Uh, we were Reformed. But I had to go to Hebrew school, you know, three days a week to prepare for my bar mitzvah. I had to learn Hebrew, you know, and I had to learn the whole story of our people. And I was just fascinated, you know, by I belong to this history. You know, I, I thought of myself as an American kid, pretty much. But this history I belong to was fascinating to me, you know, and it went way back and through so many things and so many characters from the prophets to David, uh, um, the Maccabees. I love the Maccabees. I remember, I guess a, a young Jewish boy is going to like the Maccabees. But um, they are the ones who, who defeated um, uh, the Greeks and, and allowed Judaism to continue for the next 150 years. And right 150 years later, John the Baptist is born. So really, the Maccabees really were able to keep Judaism alive for the Messiah to come, so they're very important people. I didn't know that at the time, but but I did love them. They seemed like strong Jewish people, and I, I was moved by them. You know that they were holding on to their faith in, in front of such a strong power, and that that moved. Um, but I was still reform. But these stories were incredible. So I got our mitzvah, and you even in reform temple you read uh, the, the the Torah, the the Bible in Hebrew. So there's a sense of that ancient belonging and, and that 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 had an effect on me um for that while of course after that i i i didn't follow the religion you know it, it may be similar to uh catholics being confirmed young catholics and sort of moving away after that but um I, that was that was my first maybe big impression that i wanted something more than 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 just to go along the way i was going the the the, the other thing is that i had met um some Catholics, uh, in a funny way, I'm a musician, uh, by, that's my profession. And, um, they, uh, they, uh, had a folk mass and they needed somebody to, to tune the guitars. And at that point in the seventies or early seventies, you had these big folk masses and there were like 21 guitars. It was a really hard job. I had to tune all of them. And I would go Wednesday in the morning. I would Sunday mornings go to the mass to tune the guitars. And I didn't think much of it. But I got to know what the liturgy was, and they were super sweet, nice people. And they didn't have any, they didn't have anything, problem with me being Jewish and very welcoming. And I really enjoyed those two years, my junior and senior year in high school, uh, working for them. I looked forward to it. And I remember one time we had a sunrise Easter morning on, uh, 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 over the water there on the Long Island Sound. And it was, they were talking about Jesus rising from the dead, and I, I tried to picture of them walking on the water. I mean, it was, they're beautiful images and, and comforting images, you know. So flash forward, um, the, the, uh, later in my life, my, 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 um, college life, I, I went to study music and I, uh, you know, began to learn the music of the church because if you want to be a composer, you have to learn the music 
from starting from Gregorian chant through the early church composers uh, like Palestrina and then even the Lutheran composer, the great one, Bach. And there was an order to that music that really was incredibly interesting to me because coming from the background of, let's say, a secular humanist Jewish background, if Roy, if that makes sense, I, I never had a sense that there was a solidity. I guess I was searching for that when, when I was going for my, into my bar mitzvah classes and learning the history of the solid people that, 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 that has lasted through so much. And just looking for some, something that, that, that I could hang on to, especially as I was growing up away from my family and needed something to hold on to. And in that music, you had words like cantus firmus, which means firm ground. And you would, and I'd never, you know, this idea of firm ground was so beautiful to me. And I just saw that as opposed to my, maybe the rock and roll music I was playing, which I, I liked and blues and things like that. There was a kind of order and beauty that I was learning through this music that was generated in the, the heart of the church. Uh, I didn't know it at then, but I was so fascinated by it. I had to learn everything and grow and grow in that. Then, uh, after my freshman year of college, I, I had a very bad a summer. I, I had a bleeding ulcer at a very young age, and I almost died. And when I came back from surgery, um, I, I just was so grateful to have my life back. Um, and it, it was almost as an impression of that I was grateful to someone. Um, it seemed that to me. I don't know if that makes sense, Roy, uh, but th- there was a sense of that for me. And then somebody gave me a book on, on Buddhism, and I started reading it, and the word God showed up there. And and that moment I said, no, there is a God. I believe in God. And there was a long journey through through many musical pieces and uh, uh, studies, and I, I, I ended up going to a conservatory called Manus, which is in Manhattan. And in Manus, you have to study every part of, of, of the European history that goes along with the development of music. So from the Renaissance, uh, medieval, and uh, you study uh, uh, Dante, and you study, I had to read St. Francis. I mean, these, these were mostly Jewish teachers, but they said the root of European culture that brought beauty to the world were these figures, Francis, Dante, um, and I learned the order of the mass. I looked at all the great paintings of of uh, of, the, of of Christ and 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 these sacred paintings. Uh, one of which really changed. I, at this point, I was really beginning to think about. I, I knew God existed, and I'm beginning to think not only does He exist, that Christ is the Messiah. That that the person that that I was told was just a good guy one of a, a good Jewish man. No, he's this answer to everything. And and it kind of came to me when I was looking at, a, I think it was the crucifixion by a German um, a German painter, um, Gruenwald. Uh, and it's, it's a very agonized Jesus, not like the, um, the, the ideal paintings of Italy, but the Germans were a little more realism, I guess. And that agonized Jesus, I recognized, was Jesus with my people in in the concentration camps. And then I understood that it's, that the concentration camps are not an objection to Christianity. That Jesus suffered with his people so intensely there. And I think I might have wept in the class I was in or something like that. Now that I recall it. And I was so moved that this, this, the Messiah is so simple to just 
just try to stay with everyone who suffers, including me and all of his people and my people, including all the people in the world. But I had never thought he identified with the people in, 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 the, in the concentration camps. I may get a lot of slack for this if there are Jewish listeners listening, but this is my experience. And, 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 and as far as my experience goes, this is what happened. And then um, I was in a, we sang a Schubert mass um, and there was an Agnus Dei, Lamb of God, and grant us peace. At the grant us peace, I, I forget which mass it was. It was in a church and the secular conductor looked, her face was so radiant at the end of that piece. She was praying, even though she wasn't religious. And I just wanted that face. I want, she was facing the tabernacle. I didn't know that that's what it was at the time. But, but, um, I, I was just so moved to that. At that, at that point, I, I just, you know, after a lot of searching, I, this is a, a bridge of story. I went to every religion, but at a certain point, I just walked into the nearest church where I was living, St. Monica's in Manhattan. And I walked in and God in his goodness had somebody singing the Ave Maria as I walked in. And it was like a voice piercing all my being. And there was a light coming in from the, you know, it was beautiful. You know, I guess, for those of you who have converted, you could probably have stories like this. It's very um, emotional uh, attractiveness. And um, and I went upstairs and I asked if I could sing in the choir, and they welcomed me immediately. They were really wonderful people. And, you know, I was still, you know, a young college, you know, college kid, and I was partying a little bit too much on Saturday nights. So I might get to Sunday Mass a little bit not quite conscious enough. But they were never judged me, never judged me, always just put the music in my hands, and, and I was just won by their simple kindness and by the, 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 the I, I love the sacraments, the, the beauty of the liturgy. And you might laugh, you know, you would say at this time, where's the beauty of the liturgy? It, it doesn't exist anymore. But for me, it was so beautiful. And the Catholic Church was beautiful because there were poor people and rich people and some stronger believers and less stronger believers. Everybody was in the Catholic Church. The other churches seemed to have one kind of person. And, and you know, I guess if I wanted to stay one kind of person, I would have stayed Jewish. But here was the answer. Judaism becoming, going out to everybody, to everybody. Now we're all part of that story that I told you about, that I studied when I was in Hebrew school. It's a story for the whole world, for everyone. And I was, you know, overjoyed that, that I, you know, I would, he had revealed himself to me in this way. Wow. <laughs> That's the first part. <laughs> that, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Um, do you, if you want to take a little a little breath, I can ask you a couple of questions that have been kind of piling sure. up. But, sure. Uh, but I, they're not nearly as good as you when you're on a roll, so I certainly didn't want to interrupt with that. Um, first of all, a question which is purely selfish, and I apologize to our listeners, but uh, – <laughs> You mentioned in your written account that you read a theosophist and yes. that inadvertently opened you up a little to Christ. Who was it? Because I uh, went to theosophy also, so that's why I was just... Um, no, it was... Um, he has a... Uh, Steiner. Steiner. Uh, Rudolf Steiner. Yes, Rudolf okay. Steiner. That, that he... I understood through him that the, that Christ, the crucifixion, was the central okay. Me uh, moment in history. Yeah. Reading Rudolf Steiner... Uh, opened the door to Christianity for me because he was, I mean, his, in a way he was was Christian and he was presenting Christianity, but in such an unchristian way. I know, but how did you? Uh, it was pure chance by me. Somebody, one of the people in my, in, everything seems pure chance when it's happening. But 
it, it, it was just somebody in one of my classes gave me that book because he, he knew I was religious. It was becoming more religious. This is Knowledge of the Higher World. I don't know which book of his it was. Uh, knowledge of the Higher Worlds? No. Anyway, I, 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 I don't remember. I don't remember. And I, I remember. I remember that that was the moment where I said, oh, my Lord, you are the Messiah. I got, I got very involved with Rudolf Steiner for a while. And I can tell you that in the organization of Steinerites in Boston, I would say two thirds to three quarters were Jews. Right. Um, so there's something there which I don't quite understand, but, um, yeah. it's like we were all, we were all Jews halfway on our, halfway towards real Christianity through the right. But anyway, that was just selfish curiosity. Interesting. So I apologize. Interesting though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, another another uh, question that arose, especially from reading your account, and you didn't really push this, but I couldn't help wondering, and again, I'm projecting, I apologize for that from my own mm -hmm. experience, but mm -hmm. listening seriously to music, and in particular to classical music, actually opened me up to the existence of a spiritual world. In other words... That music, there was no explanation for that music other than there being a spiritual world. I just kind of like viscerally knew there has yes. to be a spiritual world. And I, again, yes. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but in your account of uh, first of, uh, you know, Mozart and church music and, and then, um, uh, or Beethoven and Stravinsky and so forth, whether that was, whether the music itself was, was part of your, uh, opening you up to belief in God. I would say it's the primary way, the primary way, because um, my parents had that music going a, a lot in the house. So there was a spirit. Our the spiritual dimension was from listening to Bach every Sunday morning. My parents would put him on, you know, um, but also I played the blues when I was a kid. I was really involved in that period of history. And there was something about the blues that led me, you know, to spirituals and in, the, there's a great deal of spirituality in, in, in the root of American music, too. Um, so I had the popular root and then this classical root. Um, I, I, I remember that there was a, uh, yes, my friends turned, uh, you know, I didn't know much about classical music, but I had some friends play me uh, a Mozart's 40, 40th Symphony. And, and when it got to the second movement, it just appeared to me, I'd never heard anything. It appeared to me that Mozart was the Einstein of the spirit in that that piece of music, you could feel the universe expanding from a God, you know, such a spiritual sense of order and, and grandness and movement uh, and dance even that 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 provoked me, provoked my heart. I, I also heard, listened to a piece by Charles Ives, The Unanswered Question, where he 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 writes a piece where this this question keeps asking against a beautiful spiritual like the, the cosmos and man tries to answer but the answers just never work they're never big enough for the question of what is the meaning of everything and that 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 really opened me up um, and then like you're saying in a, in a more elegant way just the the general sense of the, the spirit of classical music it, it's it's um it's range of of emotional depth human depth it plums the depths of our my experience my sad it could speak to me about my sadness so deeply and my joys and and everything in between it had so much variety and color and and human impact i, I um the sheer intensity of that 
pushed out towards a spiritual dimension. You know, be, because a lot of other music maybe can be focused on narrower emotional or human experiences, but not complete, not speak of a human journey reaching out exactly. almost to an infinite level, you know. So from, from, from my, from my, imp, music was always leading me on. And I would say one other thing. When I took music seriously and studied it seriously, my life would always change. When I would get caught up in other things, distracted by bad things or bad relationships or stuff like that, I would lose touch with, with, with hope. But every, I got, God really led me through music because when I would become serious and look at it and work on it and study it, my life would move forward very intensely, you know. Uh, so that link is, is very, very important to me. And still to this day, music is the primary way in which God kind of recaptures me, you know, um, brings me back to look. I, I think because, you know, you know maybe, maybe beauty is, 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 is his most um, human, his goodness and his beauty, you know, are, are, are the most gripping things, moving things. Um, he is music, you know, and, and uh, uh, his mother, you know, there's, there's just something so tender and beautiful. And, and um, it, it, you know, it's hard to believe that, that 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 this small religion that started with a small group of people in a faraway land over a period, this, this class, this type of music developed, you know, very connected with it. And I think, I just think Christianity is, is, is not just a religion. It's a, it's a proposal of, of what it means to be human. To 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 um to to what it means to, what it means to be to know you're a sinner to know you have faults to know you need love you need help to be able to cry out to to to, to be able to see what the beauty of of nature the evil of man the drama of everything you know that's Christianity is 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 a way of explaining things it's not just it's not just a, 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 a um everything that it does tries to provoke a beauty and an intimacy with, uh, with God and, and with yourself and with everything else. And, and I think in the end, I'm, I'm almost 60. I, I'm married. I have three older kids now. In the end, I, I, I guess at this point in my life that, you know, what, what really counts in life and how do you, how do you hold on to that? You know, um, as, as life goes on and, and, um, this encounter with Christ uh, has been a way that 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 I have stayed human, mistakes and all, mistakes and all, and and uh, and and the fact that there are mistakes and that that, that his 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 audacious hope, his his love for me is way beyond the mistakes I make, and here I would connect it a little bit to. Being Jewish and what it means to be a completed Jew, as, as you said, is that this is the journey of, 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 my, of our, I would say, Roy, of our people of five, over 5,000 years. And he has not abandoned us and, and not abandoned us in, in a abstract way, but in this way that's so moving that we have, we can be moved by artists and, and writers and, and, Saints and normal people, people in daily life who have this, this little look that says, 
yes, he is the Messiah. Amen, brother. <laughs> Again, I just want to give you a little little uh, breather. Uh, as you were talking, I uh, I don't know if this is going to make sense to you. I don't know if it's going to make sense to our listeners. But, um, you know, it occurred to me that one could simply say that Christianity is really just a word for the relationship between God and man. It's not. It's really not a religion. It's not about a religion. It's, it is the relationship between God and man. Jesus was the second person of the Most Holy Trinity become man. The right. the entire dynamic of the interaction between God and man has a name, and that name is Christianity, whether people are aware of it or not. So, so explain that again. Yeah, I. I, I... Uh, you said that's one of the issues. You said Christianity is not a religion in that, in that, in that it, sense? It, it, Chris, you can think of Christianity as simply a name for the relationship between God and man, for the relationship between the divinity and humanity. Right, right. Right, so, so it's, it's, it's present. In, in, you know, it is the relationship between God and mankind. Even if somebody's a Buddhist or an atheist or a shamanist right. or whatever, the fundamental relationship is the relationship that's described in Christianity. Right. The, God, the only God it, there is is the Christian God. Uh, where, where I think that's what makes it easy for us to witness, because you can. If I, well, I don't. I've never written a piece of music as beautiful, but Mozart, when he wrote that piece, was witnessing to me that. You know, the truth of things, which is the relationship between man and God, you know, mm -hmm. and somehow I picked up on that. You know, the Holy Spirit was helping me, I'm sure, but there's something in me, the way I'm built, that was picking up on 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 what Mozart was trying to communicate to me. Yeah. What the Holy Spirit is through Mozart. This this is the truth. There is this relationship between man and God. Find it, Jonathan, find it, you know, or. Listen to it. Listen to it more. You know, somehow listen to this truth of the way you are and the way God is, you know, and and, and I think I, I was able to pick that up in so many places, in so many strange places. I, I was at a party, at a, a jazz party, and people were, you know, it was, it was pretty bad things going on there. But somebody was playing A Love Supreme by John Coltrane, and I was mesmerized and I just went into the kitchen I don't even it was nobody else was there or, and I just listened to he this music that was calling me in some way and at the end it, he starts saying a love supreme a love supreme a love supreme and I'm thinking oh my god that that he's talking to, a, to his god he's he's trying to communicate with with god you know I didn't quite know I was way before my communication but these little moments were, were like you're saying that what was in that piece of music was Christ calling me to the truth of, 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 of the relationship between God and man. Later, I, I learned that the name for that was Christianity, you know, but, but I can tell the whole journey, th there's no dissociation between these, this evidence of his presence, even though I did not know his name. And finally, the discovery of his name. They're all in a line of his, the way he worked with me, I guess, the way he wanted to help me, you know, and, and, and help me discover. And he was showing me, look, look, you see, I worked through so many things. Rudolf Steiner, John Coltrane, Mozart, you're, you're, you're those, those people that you tuned the guitar for when you went, took your bar mitzvah lessons, 
you know, the, 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 even the bad thing when they called you Jew boy. It made you think about, well, what does that mean? Every part of the journey was is, is a path towards a recognition. Now, I'm a lucky one. He revealed himself to me. You know, so I have a responsibility, Roy. You know, I guess that's why you have a radio show, because you feel that responsibility, you know. But I have a responsibility. I, I'm, and uh, if, if there's a few more minutes, I just wanted to, to mention one other thing. Um, the community, The community aspect of Catholicism and how it relates to be, you know, my life of being Jewish. Because my, you know, I don't know if your parents, how they, how your family reacted, um, to your conversion. Um, they, they weren't happy. <laughs> That's yeah, understatement. My, mine, neither. mine neither. And it's so funny. They're secular. And they were, you know, I could have been a Buddhist. They would have been happier, you know. <laughs> but for some reason, being Catholic was a, was a shock, you know. Um, so it took a long time to kind of, that was hard because I, I, I didn't want to leave these people I loved so much. And I didn't want something, it was really very painful for me. I think that's when I understood there was a cross involved in Christianity. You know, that, that it was so painful that period of my life. Um, and I lost a lot of friends too, in a sense, because my thirst for Christ was strong. Um, there was not much guidance. I was by myself. I didn't know. I didn't think about priesthood or anything. There was just the, 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 there was just not much guidance. And I I ended up slow, having a nervous breakdown, you know, after six years of being Catholic. And I learned to pray the rosary and beg to Our Lady. And I learned uh, the beauty of the sacraments. But I it was not strong enough to, to help me in my real in my real life, my job. You know, I was writing music for television commercials at that time. It was very competitive, and I was having a hard time with growing up in a normal way to, to deal with that type of competition. And I had a hard time because I, I had a very bad relationship with my family. Um, you know, I got I got very you know I got very much into the causes, the pro life, and all these things I that that were politically against how I grew up. Also, you know, so um, but I I, I I basically broke down by the time I was 30 and this is, was a real miracle. This is the real miracle of my life was I, I somehow ended up to see actually the, the, the father of, of the woman who wrote this book, Rebecca Vitz's father, Dr. Paul Vitz. So was a Catholic psychologist and he helped me to understand I needed a community. And he sent me to um, a community called communion and liberation. I don't know if you've heard it. It's a lay movement in the church. Um, he sent me, uh, Cardinal O'Connor had brought it into the, into St. Patrick's at that time. He had wanted some things for young people outside of the parishes, maybe. So thank God he did that. And you know, he's half Jewish, Cardinal, Cardinal O'Connor. <laughs> yeah. I've done so, a show on that, yeah. Yeah, so, so, um, so anyway, um, when I met that community, I was free. I had friends, young people and, and life, Started up again for me, and Christ really rebuilt me through 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 this group of friends. This uh, this uh, it's 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 a it's, a, it's a started by a, an Italian priest, Father Giussani, and it's uh, the um, it was um, very very close to um, John Paul II, and and uh, and now it's movements are more common in the church. So uh, we're it's established in the USA and uh, fairly well now, but it was small when when I when I started, and but this friendship. And this, this idea that you have to be 
with a people to follow Christ. That's when I said, Jesus, you saved the best for last. You gave me everything, and then you made me understand I did not leave Judaism, because now I have a people, just like I did when I was a kid, except it was without a real awareness of you. But now I feel like we're the people of God moving together, you know, towards something. And you have all the aspects of life there, laughter, growing. I got married, you know, I've met my wife there. I was able to grow up, <laughs> support my family, worship, um, build a community, um, uh, work within, in my parish. I mean, just life, it was, it was as if I had been waiting so long for this, for him to reveal himself. And it's like he said, he says, yes, no, Jonathan, I didn't change the form. I didn't change the form. We are still part of the history, the people of God in this world, because I came into this world to build a people of God, a place where you could, you could practice Christianity and learn to love each other or not love each other and, and go to confession and, 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 and build a Christian to actually have a place of, for conversion. And this, this place became a, I guess it's lay movements are similar. It's not quite an order, but there is a sense you can, uh, at least for me, my heart, my, my heart learned to do the hard work of conversion. Um, as I entered into this mature relationship with, um, uh, in this, in this lay movement. And then, um, Lastly, now, I, I, I don't do commercials anymore. I'm an organist. I, I'm a music director at Regina Pachi's Basilica in Brooklyn. And it's funny enough that I, I conduct a choir. <laughs> and uh, and I had been brought into the church through music. And, and that's sort of that's what I'm doing now. And I I enjoy the the the, the simple the simple task of of trying to to help help bring beauty somebody to the to the, the divine liturgy and uplift souls i hope <laughs> but beautiful enough sometimes the um the uh first of all i i decided very intentionally to skip the break halfway through because i didn't want to lose the momentum and also i didn't want to lose the time frankly so i will say to our listeners if you want to call in you're still welcome to call in the number is 866-333-6279 and you may especially want to call in because I want to ask Jonathan a couple of questions, which might be a little inside baseballish. But <laughs> first of all, uh, if you if you're active in Brooklyn, do you have any contact with Monasterio Edestein? Do you know about the monastery in Brooklyn whose uh, charism is to pray for the conversion of the Jews? No, no, no idea of that. I, um, I, I've never seen it in a Brooklyn tablet. I've never seen it in a. In the paper, um, no. Where is that? Oh, I, I, uh, it's on one of the main drags in Brooklyn. It's a, it mm -hmm. was a, uh, they took over a convent, a huge convent from the days when the convent had 80 or 100 nuns. And mm -hmm. uh, I think they were maybe Monastery of the Precious Blood might be the name of the building. Oh, I know where that is, yeah. Um, the order is, is the Sisters of the Eternal Word. They're an Argentinian, a new Argentinian community, and each convent of theirs, uh, uh, they pray before the Blessed Sacrament, I believe, 24-7. Each convent has a prayer intention that they vote on, and then they make the the uh, charism of that convent, and theirs is to pray for the conversion of the Jews, and they're right in a kind of orthodox Hasidic neighborhood of Brooklyn. Right. 
and they're very excited. They were very excited when I went there. They're very excited to meet uh, Jewish converts because um, they're strictly cloistered, and so they like to see that their prayers bear fruit. The work. <laughs> so I'll put you in touch with them off air. If you want to stop by, I'm sure they'll be very happy. We should ask them to pray for the continuing conversion of those who have converted. <laughs> That's true. Um, I, I, another inside baseball question, since um, okay. uh, this is a daring you people out there to call in, so you get to ask these things instead of me, is I don't know if you have any relationship to Mahler as a composer. Yeah, well, yes, Mahler was very important to me in my uh, younger years, uh, that I mean, romanticism. Give yeah. a little background to the listeners and so that they'll have a context for what you're saying. Mahler was a Jewish convert to Catholicism, and um, despite some calumny that's been spread around him, he was a very passionate and earnest and genuine uh, convert to the Catholic faith from a Jewish background. So, right. so I have a feeling that he works behind the scenes still to bring about conversion. And my conversion... I, I listened to Mahler's Second Symphony at uh, yes. Symphony Hall, yeah. and I yeah. stood up when the lights went on and said, "That's what I am. I'm a Christian." That when was that? Is that before you were converted, or yeah? That's amazing. We have a similar story. Wow. So anyway, talk about Mahler for a few seconds. Oh no, no, no. Well, uh, Mahler is a brilliant. Uh, he, he was Jewish. Um, and I don't know when he converted, but he was uh, around the time, a little bit after, with, with the beginning of the 20th century, right? Yeah, I think um, he converted in the early 1890s, actually, but I'm not Early 1890s. Sense. And, and um, all his music is, is, is in one way or another, I think that its sheer beauty and intensity speaks of Christ all the time. The second is the Resurrection Symphony, so... That that is um, explicit, um, right? I mean, yeah. that, that's his explicit Christian symphony. But the ninth, even his darker stuff, the ninth and the Das Lied von Erd, Songs of the Earth, which he uses in Oriental text. That when I heard that in college, I had to listen to that over and over and over again because I guess Christians, in a way, have a really have audacity to explore death. You know, um, and, and it's, it's not human. depressing. It's not depressing. It's yeah, because it's 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 it's. A, I don't know. I, and and he he um, hit that piece of music he wrote. I, I guess could be one of the great Christian reflections on death. Um, it's so fragile. I, I mean, I can see he can be rousing where you can stand up and cheer. And he can be so interior and moving that you're just almost in contemplative prayer. I guess that would be his. But but it, but it's all. But but I, I think his music is always painfully beautiful. Would that be the way of always uh, painful? Heart wrenchingly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Heart wrenchingly beautiful, and he doesn't let you off the hook ever. He doesn't let himself off the hook ever, and. Um, I, and that—that's where you could say that—that that he is. You can see he's a true Christian because he never lets himself off the hook of being honest and expressing himself. And you know, these geniuses are are amazing. They—they they have a lot of technique, and they can kind of wow you with that. But Mahler, in particular, wows you with 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 the his 
how personal his message is and how much he wants to reach into into your humanity. So I, I was I liked the first, the second, the sixth, the ninth, uh Dusley Devon Aaron and the tenth were were very were were very important to me. When I was younger, I, I think I've moved away from it. My boss, who was who's a, a Jewish man, David Horowitz, a great musician, when I was in the jingle business, he made me listen to Mahler. He thought Mahler, it, we, it, it was like, a, you're right, it's like a religion, if, even if you don't know it. Do you, do you kind of believe that in a way? It's almost a religion without knowing it's a religion. Because mm-hmm. he was so passionate about it. And he made me listen to it. And, and I told him I converted, you know, so he made me listen to it more. <laughs> You know, I I, I don't know if this is going to make sense to you, Um, but when I, you know, I mentioned that listening to classical music like opened me up, made me decide there has to be a spiritual world. Mm -hmm. Um, I can understand how music can sound like a, you know, battle between armies or music can, you know, sound like a rushing stream or something. But how can music sound like? the despair of feeling like there's no meaning to life, but the hope that there actually still is something transcendent behind it all. How can that be reflected in a sensory image through audible input? You know what I mean? The, yeah. The, how can, how can the, you know, spiritual questions be represented through vibrations of air? It makes no sense at all. <laughs> but yeah, right. But, it, but, it's a, it's, it's a communication that, that does, it, okay, if you think about it, it doesn't make sense. But, but if you look at your experience, it makes total sense. And that's why I think that if you're just honest and logical, you have to conclude there's something intrinsically spiritual going on there. Because there's nothing materialistic that could explain it. In fact, I, I, I try to, with students, coax them into listening to classical music, you know, through... I let I listen to their music. I talk about the chords, and, I, and you know I try to get them just to get in front of it a little bit, you know, because you're right. I know once they can get in front of it, and if any type of attraction happens, you're on your path. You're, you're that something's been opened in in them and in me. I mean, it may not lead them to where I can, but I do use. I I want other people to have the experience of classical music. For that reason, you know, because I, I know even more than words, uh, it, it's, it's so, it can do this thing you're talking about that, that, and, and I'm amazed that, that there are artists who, who, I mean, how do you learn it, the skill of doing it? I mean, I mean, I mean. I think they're just listening. I just think they're just listening. I think, I think that they're hearing, they're, they're hearing the spiritual world and, well, and you know, putting it into sound. Have you heard of Taverner? The the he just died. He was a, one of the newer sacred composers. He he was um, uh, Orthodox English who converted to Russian Orthodox, I think. No. And he um, he said that at a certain point he stopped. He was like a serialist of one of those avant-garde type of composers. He stopped, and he said, "I just started to listen," and I was shocked at that. Is it that easy? <laughs> you know? But, but in, in saying what, what you're saying, he, he began to listen. And when he quieted down and listened, he just began to t- write what he was hearing. Yeah. And 
and his music changed. It became he only wrote sacred music from that that point on. Yeah. Wow, this has been a great conversation. Well, I, I'm very. I like. I mean, after we can talk afterward. I didn't know how much music had been a um, um, been important for your conversion. That that was not. Uh, well, I'll bring it that. down about a hundred notches. <laughs> um, there was something else that made me convinced there has to be a spiritual world, and materialism can't be an explanation. And that was watching the Boston Celtics play in the days of Larry Bird and the real. <laughs> And Celtics, because you cannot be running across the court full speed and make a blind pass behind you through somebody's legs through your teammate <laughs> with just materialistic sense knowledge. Well, I'm I'm from New York, so I I, I, <laughs> I know how good Larry Bird is, but but um uh yeah I I mean but how did you I you how did you I mean other people see the same thing why did you see that and and somebody didn't. Yeah, except like you, in part because I was in despair. In other words, I, I never reconciled myself to the meaninglessness of life. Right. But the meaninglessness was caving in all around me, but the, I couldn't give up the search. For you couldn't reconcile yourself to it. You, you were in agony because of it. Right. That's it. And right. that agony is prayer. That agony is prayer? You mean even before I was praying, I was praying? Yes, that saying. agony, that, 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 uh, um, that, that really is, that really is. Uh, Charles de Foucault, who's a Catholic saint, uh, um, yeah. you know, God, if you exist, I have to know. Right, but that's interesting. The agony is already prayer. The question the yeah, dissatisfaction. Kind of... I mean, it can't just be a superficial question, right? It has to be that your soul's torn apart, so to speak, by, you know, by that, uh, whatever it is, by that hopelessness, by that um, pointlessness to everything. And if you're honest about that and don't, and don't anesthetize yourself to it, I think that God, that is actually a prayer to God to reveal himself. And, and I think maybe the music I listened to also had that in it so i had a sense i wasn't alone in this question you know there were these artists there were plenty of people who could you know i also read uh um c.s lewis uh the the not not any of his theological stuff his science fiction stuff and that said wow what is this i had read all the other stuff arthur c Clarke and um the normal science sci-fi stuff looking for this mystery, I guess, you know. Uh, but C.S. Lewis, there was another color to it, and I didn't quite figure out what it was, but it was speaking to that, that agony you're talking about in a different way. So, you know, later I learned he was Christian, but I, di I didn't know at the time, but the language he spoke was relate relatable to what you're talking about. So so I, I was picking up on prayer and other people who were praying and people who were seriously interested in that question, the depth of that question, um, somehow, you know, somehow I was I was being open to it. And it's funny you should say through the through the sense of of what did you say being open to the drama of the question or or I I I, I don't remember what I said other than that. Anyway, you're that, right. That I guess that's what made me sensitive. Made me made me look look for look for clues. I guess. 
Uh, yeah, and, and, uh, and not not be able to uh, reconcile yourself to the you know to the life without that transcendental meaning. I hate to do this, but um, you know this isn't just a conversation between two of us. Uh, we're on Radio Maria, and, and they probably want to start another show in about two minutes, <laughs> three minutes. All right. So I'm going to have to just uh, thank you profusely and for coming on and thank our listeners for listening. And um, off air, I want to talk to our guest about perhaps coming on again. But but in the meantime, um, thank I, I'll give you, uh, I'll, you know, if you want to say thank you or something, Jonathan, and then I just have to close the show. No, thank you very much. This has been a very interesting conversation to me. I'm always surprised by um, how God continues to introduce me to people who uh, can become friends with and uh, continue the journey on in a, in a substantially interesting, way. <laughs> compelling way. So thank Amen. you very much. Well, thank you, and I want to thank our listeners and thank Radio Maria, and uh, hope that you join us again next week, same time, for Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism on Radio Maria. Bye for now. 